Well, today's word uh, is going to be found in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to be reading verses 7 through 10. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 7 through 10. And the sermon is titled, Pain Has a Purpose. When we think about when we think about pain, it's, it's either localized or it's, it's generalized, unpleasant feeling in our body, uh, some sensation or complexities of sensations uh, that could cause mild or severe physical discomfort, even emotional distress, and typically results in some type of disorder in the body is sometimes caused from an injury, other times is caused from a disease. Um, but pain comes in many different forms. Sometimes it's physical, other times it's mental, emotional, psychological. Many times uh, the deepest pains that we feel are uh, things that are from the heart. Um, we have either romantic um, relationships where we have pain or even sometimes broken relationships or relationships that have problems that cause us pain. So there's many different kinds of pain. When we hear pain, when we hear suffering, automatically we, by nature, try to avoid any kind of pain whatsoever. We do whatever we can not to feel any type of pain, any type of suffering. We prepare in certain ways. We put up certain boundaries. We try to protect ourselves from getting sick. We do things to uh, take precaution and go to the doctor. All of those things so that we will not deal with pain and suffering. But one of the things that we know is in this life, it still comes. There is no way, as hard as we try, for us to elude pain and suffering. It's just part of what we deal with, uh, no matter what we do to try to make sure it doesn't happen. Anyway, we're going to pick up right here. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and this is talking about Paul and some pain that he suffered. Um, and again, the title of the sermon is Pain Has a Purpose, because the things that we go through are for a reason, even pain and suffering. So it reads this way, starting at verse 7, especially because of the extraordinary revelations, therefore, so that I would not exalt myself, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger from Satan to torment me so that I would not exalt myself. Concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it would leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weakness, so that Christ's power may reside in me. So I take pleasure in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and in difficulties for the sake of Christ. 
When I am weak, then I am strong. Father, we, we thank you. We thank you because everything that we go through in this life, you've purposed it for something, Lord. And you will be glorified. And the things that you allow, the things that you do in our lives, always is for our good. Even things that don't feel good, even things that we try to avoid, you use it, Lord. We thank you that we can have a confidence that we serve a good and loving God that has our interests at heart. That you're always taking care of us. You're always seeing us through and your purposes are always being fulfilled in the earth. So we lay that before you, Lord, as we ponder these scriptures, Lord, and understand what you're doing in it and how we are to apply it to our lives. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. One of the things that we see as we read this text is that pain gets our attention. When we are in pain, we pay special attention to the area that hurts. So whether it's emotional, whether it's mental, whether it's physical, whether it's some kind of sickness or injury, when we are in pain, when we're suffering in some kind of way, it gets our attention. And we try to identify it. We try to identify it. And then we, we try to wonder and figure out why it's happening. And our first priority usually becomes remove this pain. We try to do that a lot of different ways. Um, sometimes we will go to the doctor. Sometimes we'll try to correct the situation, um, whether it be um, a condition that's going on or whether it be a relationship that we need to fix. And often and always as believers, we need to seek help and we need to seek help first and foremost from God. The text says that a thorn in the flesh was given to me. So Paul finds himself in a position where he is suffering. He is in some kind of pain. And that pain isn't identified, but that thorn in the flesh is a metaphor for some kind of pain that he is dealing with. And I believe that God didn't allow us to specifically know what it was because we can apply it to many different things, even in our own life. So the first thing that happens here is Paul has identified, I have a thorn in my flesh. Then you have to think, and he thought, why am I going through this? 
Sometimes we get the answer why we're going through something. Sometimes we understand the reason we're going through something, uh, whether it's uh, some kind of sickness or a virus or something that we got, uh, other times a, a relationship or a condition. Sometimes we know exactly what's happening, but we try to kind of figure out, well, what is, what is God doing in this and what do I need to learn in this? Well, for Paul, it was very clear. It was that he would not exalt himself. And it said in verse 7, especially because of the extraordinary revelations, God has shown Paul things that most people don't get to see. God had given Paul revelations of himself, of who he was, that God, God showed him things that other people weren't able to see about God. And he wanted Paul to stay humble. So because he wanted Paul to stay humble, he allowed a thorn in his side. He placed a thorn in his side, actually, so that Paul would remain humble. And one of the things that we know when we deal with any kind of suffering, one of the things we know when we deal with any kind of pain, that our reliance on God is key. We need to recognize that we need God. We must recognize that we need God. Pride often puts us in a position where we allow ourselves to rely on other things but God. Sometimes in our own gifts and talents, sometimes in the possessions that we believe we own, sometimes influence, sometimes circumstances. And we put our trust and faith in those things when actually we should only rely on God. So... God didn't want that to happen to Paul. So this thorn was placed there to keep Paul humble. So pain has a purpose. And it has different purposes in different times and in different situations, even in our own lives. But in this situation, pain was to keep Paul humble, which was very important for God to be able to continue to use him. Pain also has a source. Pain comes from somewhere. Verse 7 says, a messenger of Satan to torment me. So he, his source of pain was demonic. Our source of pain could be many different things, but his was demonic. We can uh, suffer pain from another person or something maybe that's self-inflicted maybe just circumstantial situation that took place pain also has a response anytime we find ourselves in pain we respond to it anytime we're suffering we respond to it in some kind of way it says in verse 8 concerning this I pleaded with the Lord three times that it would leave me. So what was Paul's response to his suffering, to his pain, 
His response was to take it to God and ask for relief. There are many different ways we respond to situations. Some of our responses are healthy, all right. Pain, pain will cause us to respond, but how we respond matters. What did Paul do? He went right to God. Not once, not twice, but three times. God, please remove this. That is a healthy response. There are also responses that are not healthy. There are times when we suffer. There are times when we find ourselves in situations or in pain and we don't respond in a healthy manner. Uh, we may not take it to God. Uh, we may be doing something that's causing ourselves and others pain or setting up situations that are not good and refuse to continue down that road or to ignore it or to look at the problem as it's coming from other places instead of where it actually is coming from. Or we find ourselves in a pity party instead of trying to understand or even go to God and ask, why am I going through this? What are you teaching me in this? Are you building something in me that I need to see, that I need to develop, that's going to make me more Christ-like, that's going to bring you more glory, God? Tony Dungy had a son. He has a son who had a rare disease. He could not feel pain. So anytime he um, would do different things, uh, the sensation of pain did not uh, affect him. So you may think, um, well, it's good not to feel pain. Well, what happened is because of a result of that, if he was doing something that was injuring him, he would continue to injure himself because he had nothing to respond to. The pain did not kick in to his brain so he could do something where he was damaging himself and not protecting that part that he's putting in harm's way. That could end up happening to us where we are maybe emotionally uh, maybe spiritually, uh, maybe physically uh, harm ourselves or don't take the proper precautions to protect ourselves. But that's not good. One of God's purposes in pain and suffering is for us to respond to it because us responding in, to it in a correct way will change something. It will transform something. It says in verse 8, concerning this, meaning the thorn in the side, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it would leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. Let's be clear here. God used that pain after he told Paul, no, I'm not going to remove this. 
that his grace was sufficient for him and that in his weakened state because of the pain, God's power would be perfected. God uses pain to get our attention. God uses pain for us to rely on him. And God uses pain to transform us. God uses pain and suffering to transform us. The question is, do you want comfort over transformation? Do you want comfort over transformation? Because often what we do is we are so intent on getting away from the pain, on not suffering, on not going through something that we give up being changed. We give up being transformed. Don't miss that. There should not be in our hearts that you would rather have comfort over transformation, over looking more like Christ. When Paul was going through pain and he approached God and he asked God three times, God, remove this. And God said, my grace is sufficient for you that your weakness would be, perf my, my strength would be perfected in your weakness. This is Paul's response. This is where you see the transformation in the heart. Paul says, therefore, in other words, because God said, no, that you're better dealing with this thorn because of what I'm doing to you. Therefore, I will more gladly boast. I will most gladly boast all the more about my weakness. So now he's embracing his weakness so that Christ's power may reside in me. I take pleasure in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and in difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That was a transformation in the heart. God allowed him to suffer something physically that changed something in him spiritually that was a much greater benefit than his comfort. He was able to be used at a higher level because he looked more like Christ with that thorn in his side because of what that thorn produced. What about you and I? Don't desire comfort over transformation. Pain from the perspective of a timeless God. This is, this is very important for us to catch. When we talk about pain, when we talk about suffering, we could put that kind of like in a box uh, and we could put a time frame on it. But God, who doesn't operate in time um, himself because he is eternal, God 
says this. In Revelation 13, verse 8, I'm paraphrasing. It speaks of the lamb that was slain from the creation of the world. Right? When it talks about names in the book of life. Whenever it speaks about the lamb, meaning Jesus, that was slain from the creation of the world. Catch this. Before the universe was formed, God determined to sacrifice his son for our sins. Like a lamb on the sacrificial altar. So before time began, the plan was in place for Jesus to die for the sinner. From, from the perspective of a timeless God, Christ's suffering and death did not, it wasn't confined to a couple of years or hours before the world fell. Or even before the world was created, God knew exactly what he would do to redeem the world. He knew the horrors of evil, of pain, of suffering before Adam and Eve, before you and I even felt one drop of it. He, he knew what that was going to feel like for us. But the distant future is as real to God as the present is to us. In other words, we live in the here and now. And this is our reality. So whatever we deal with, we feel the full effect and brunt of it. But, but for God... Who knows the beginning from the end? God, um, the distant future, things that we're still like, what's going to happen? Is this going to work out? Uh, what's going to be my situation? God knows all of those things. That is as much as a reality to him as our present is for us. And because it's that much of a reality to him, and we trust him, it should be that sort of reality to us. See, God's redemptive plan was not a response to an unanticipated event. God's redemptive plan, from the beginning, he knew the very worst and the very best. That each day was going to bring. He knew that there was going to be a dark middle part. But when that drama was played out, he also recognized how great the ending would be. When we look at that in a big picture... Now we start reducing that down to our pains, our suffering, our situations. It becomes really small because we recognize, just like Paul, whatever we're going through, 
Whatever thorn we have in our flesh, God is doing something. We're all weak. We all fail. We all have shortcomings. But God, His sovereignty, God, who is almighty, God, who is all wise, God, who is the beginning of and the end, uses us and makes us, even through pain, even through suffering, more and more like His Son. Before Adam and Eve, before you and me, before Satan and demons, all of this drama that's being played out, God knew the end. It says in 2 Timothy verses 1 and 9, He has saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but by his own purpose and by the grace he granted us in Jesus Christ, when? Before time began. God knows the beginning and the end. And he's not unaware of the suffering we, we face. And he cares. He just knows that for the greater good, us going through these light and momentary afflictions... He knows what it's going to produce. But don't think for a minute he doesn't care. Psalm 56, 8 says this. You have taken account of my wandering. Put my tears in your bottle. And they, are they not in your book? God saves our tears. He knows every one of our concerns. He understands exactly what we are going through. And he still allows it. Why? Because we know we don't live in the best possible world now. But is this the way that he's achieving the best possible world later. A world of evil, a world of pain, and a world of suffering. A world of evil, pain, and suffering. Imagine if that world, if the world we lived in was never touched with any of that. It was never touched with pain. It was never touched with evil. It was never touched with suffering. Would that be the best place possible? We acknowledge that evil, that pain, that suffering facilitates development in us. That it changes us. It transforms us. What is it that we learn in a world where we deal with evil? What is it that we learn in a world that we deal with personal suffering and pain and hurts? There's certain things we learn in that. We learn 
and we experience compassion, mercy, sacrificial love. See, God has permitted pain and suffering for these things to develop. And then once they're developed, and that strength of character that we possess, that's going to last forever. And we'll be far removed from pain, from suffering, from evil. All of that is going to be gone. But what it built in us, that's still going to be there. So when we start thinking through God allowing something, what he's doing with it, what we become through it, and then one day we're not going to have that. But we're still going to understand what unconditional love was. We're still going to understand what compassion was. We're still going to understand what mercy was. Without evil, without suffering, without pain, we would never have understood those things. Unless you're sick, you don't know what it feels like to be healthy. But when you get sick, you, you, you cherish what healthy was. God's people. He lovingly brings them to obedience. He lovingly helps them recognize their reliance on him as the father. Through pain. Through suffering. Pain has a purpose. Jesus suffered to bring undeserving sinners into the family of God. So we can experience eternal joy with our Heavenly Father. Let me read a quote that was said. The suffering of the utterly innocent and infinite Holy Son of God in the place of the utterly undeserving sinner to bring us to everlasting joy is the greatest display of the glory of God's grace that ever was or ever could be. Everything leading to it and everything flowing from it is explained by it including all the suffering in the world. God is doing something in that. None of us look forward to suffering. None of us look forward to pain. None of us look forward to getting sick. But in those times, as he said to Paul, in weakness, my strength is perfected. When we are humble, when we recognize our need for God, our reliance, when we fall into obedience because of the things that we go through, God is doing a work that's deeper than your comfort, that's deeper, even if it's long-term, than your pain. 
those things God uses for his glory. So no time when we face certain things to shrink back. There's no time when we face certain things to throw in the towel. Because we are God's handiwork. He didn't spare his own son. But he showed us, even through the pain and the suffering that his son went through, how much he loves us. So even the momentary light afflictions that we go through, God and his strength is being perfected in our weakness. He is doing a great work in his church. Looking forward for us getting together next Sunday, worshiping, come out to church so that we can gather together as saints and be strengthened. And remember this, Philippians 1 and 6, it's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God finishes what he starts. God is doing a work in you, brother. He's doing a work in you, sister. We belong to him. And some parts of that work doesn't always seem fun, but it's always necessary. He wants you to look more like Jesus. He will be glorified through your life. He has purposes for you. That is why that is one of my favorite verses. Let me close by praying for you, family. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that even in pain, even in sickness, even with evil, Lord, that you have a purpose, that you will be glorified. That your church will be strengthened. That your children will look more like Christ. We thank you, Lord, that that good work you started, that you will carry it on to completion. Thank you, Lord, that we can walk in the confidence of that. Thank you, Lord, that we can look at the future and know that it is as real as our present situation and the things that you will accomplish. We thank you, Lord, that before the foundation of the world, the grace that you've had because of the lamb that was slain, before one person walked this earth, before this universe was created, before we fell, you picked us up before we fell. That's amazing. There is nothing that can separate us from your love. We thank you for that. We thank you for what you're doing, what you've already done, Lord. Help us to walk it out 
and a confidence as we see you clearer and clearer and as you make us look like your son day by day because of your grace. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. See you next Sunday, family.